All right. So is restriction bad? Is all restriction bad? Should you never, ever, ever restrict? My answer is going to be like any rational, normal, balanced, middle of the road person is that some restriction, some moderating food, some boundaries with food is a necessity in the world that we live in. Welcome to the Binge Breakers podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer, this recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight, and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's your girl. It's your one. It's the announcer, Jacqueline. And of course, I was fine. I was talking on the phone earlier today and no dry mouth. And then immediately when I start the podcast, I have dry mouth. I think it's just a nerve thing. It's stupid. It's frustrating, but it's my mouth. And, you know, we can't really do anything anything about it other than just move forward and mourn our losses in life. Uh, but other than that, I'm recording this podcast um, pretty late into the evening, which is unusual. I'm recording it later today because I've been working to create some new highly valuable content that I'm going to talk about very soon. But I'm exhausted from all the stuff I've been doing and all the things I've been putting together and all the content I've been making, but I also feel quite alive from it. And I feel a little bit, I, I just get these hyper-focus states sometimes where I'm just like, I have all the information and it needs to come out of my head. It feels like I'm just pouring it out of my brain onto paper, onto the internet and through the content I create. And it's just so much fun. Like, I don't know. This is outside of the podcast today. For those of you guys that are new here, we're going to be talking about um, is restriction always bad, which I've made a podcast episode on it before, but I wanted to revisit it with a new fresh perspective being here. But um, I just want to say that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want to talk about the content first and the new big announcement. If you're following me on Instagram, you'll have seen that I posted that I'm making an announcement today um, on Instagram at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. If you are listening to this before that, go check it out. Um Friday the 8th is when you should be listening to this if it's still live. But anyway, I'm just feeling really good from all the content I've been making and I'm tired and I feel like I've been doing a lot, but I feel good about it and it's something that I want to be doing and um, it just feels like I'm bringing a lot of value and uh, to the world and not that I'm everything and I don't think I know everything and I know there are people that are so much smarter and so much more valuable and doing so much more for the world than I am, but it feels nice to be providing value in the capacity I can with the community that I've built here that you guys have built and it's just nice. So thank you for that. Uh, and I'm having a hell of a time, even if no one appreciates it, I'm having a good freaking time. So it's, it's good. What I wanted to talk about is the big announcement. I have so much a big announcement. Oh my gosh, it's so important, but it is super cool. So story time. I'll tell you in a second, I promise. Um, and then we'll talk about restriction and moderating food. Uh, I put out the course at the, almost the very beginning of my coaching. I had coached a few clients and then I put out a coaching, uh, put out a bulimia, bulimia recovery course. Sorry, I can't speak right now because of my dry mouth. So, so sorry. Uh, so I put that out. And then as the years went on, I kept growing it. I kept adding more content to that course as I learned more and more. I kept um, reiterating the course to kind of uh, fit it for group coaching. But a lot of the content that's on that course is original me combined with new me. And it's just 
I think there's there's got to be at least a hundred videos on there of just pure content from me. And then also there's like all the past group coaching calls on there um, from years. It's just not just one year. I think it's at least two years of catalog group coaching calls. So it's a plethora of knowledge, super valuable thing, but and it's helped a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that I don't like about it, that's always been, it's been nagging me lately, is that what I see most commonly people struggle with in the course is that there's just so much content, it's overwhelming. And people are like, I don't know where to start. Even though there's like a clear segmented thing going on, it's still not clear enough. And there's just so much that I think they get overwhelmed and they're like, oh my God. And then some of the content, I just think it needs a re- needs a refurbishment and it needs to be boiled down and it needs to be simplified and it needs to be reset in the way that I would say it now with all the years of experience I've had with coaching. I was talking with Marcus Kane. We had a podcast collab, but then I think before, after the podcast collab, we were talking a little bit about our years and Marcus, he's not only a collaborator with me, but he's a dear friend. Like, um, he's an awesome dude. And so we kind of talk, like to talk back and forth about how we're doing personally and then business. And he said, you know, we've both probably put in at least 500 hours of coaching clients this year. Uh, you know, individually. And just I, when he said that, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I put in a ton of hours coaching people and that's just with clients, but then with consults and the people I meet on free group coaching calls and group coaching calls. Like I just have so many hours of work that I put in talking and speaking and helping people. And then on top of that, my own recovery experience. And then this year when I, when I was close to a relapse, like it was, Hey, that's the close, this year has been the closest I've been to a relapse that I've ever, that I ever have been since recovery because of everything that was going on in my life this year and all that experience and then um, just growing and and growing my uh, knowledge in terms of what I read, coaching certifications, that sort of stuff, just so much. So that being said, this year I had set out, this was nagging me that like there needs to be a more simplified version of this group coaching program and it could be better and it could be more streamlined and it could help more people. And this is the biggest thing that I'm seeing. And then also my group coaching program is always open enrollment, which I think helps people. It's super affordable. People can just join when they want to and leave when they want to. But then sometimes what you, what you probably, the problem with that is that people are not always on the same page. And so sometimes you're kind of always either coaching people that are in the beginning or you're trying to catch people up or there's more advanced things and there's benefits to that, but there's also cons to that, obviously. So there's these two things that I was like, "Mm, I feel like this could be better. So mid-year, I was planning on redoing the group coaching program and making new content and all that sort of stuff and like had all these naive naive notions of what I was going to do. And then um, my life blew up with some things that happened in my relationship. And then I ended a 10 year relationship and had to move and had to like drastically change my life. All this sort of crazy stuff happened. And I just put it on the back burner. Like you can't do that right now. You just have to, you just have to survive and not have a relapse and coach your current clients and keep everything afloat while you make this transition. That's all you got to do. And like keep making content that helps people in some capacity, whatever you have the capacity for, do it. But, um, now the past few months I've been stable. I've been here in Denver. I um, have been living on my own and feeling a lot better. And now full on the other side of everything, I was just like, no, I don't want to end this year having the same group coaching program. I know what can be better. I know I can really help people by changing this. And I know that there needs to be some sort of change. And so I'm excited to announce that on January, oh, wait, wait, what's the date that we're starting? Uh, 
I think one of my copy information things is already wrong. I gotta correct that. Doing so much, guys. Um, on January 2nd, I'm starting a new group coaching program. And it's it's the start of it is happening January 2nd. But an open enrollment for that new group coaching program is happening next Friday, the 15th. And the wait list for that program is out right now. So if you check my website, there is a link probably at the top menu button, or there's like a little bar that says join waitlist for new program. It's happening. I um I have so what I've done hopefully people don't hate this. Um, you can skip forward to the rest of the episode if you want to. Um, but those of you guys that are interested, I am redoing everything. Like I have wiped, I'm archiving all the videos for those of you guys that are going to join the new program. Don't worry. I'm not deleting all of them. You will have access to the archives. Um, but the core content that I'm making for this new group coaching program is going to be 10 very shiny new videos that are very linear and very succinct, but tell you everything that you need to know about how to stop binging and purging and eat normally. That is what the goal of the program is. And it's very streamlined, very simple, very straightforward. And I'm working very hard to make those. And then also, I'm making it so it's an eight-week program only. And so there will be open and closed enrollment. It'll be eight weeks. Um, and you start and every single week, you will have a objective goal and outline and an and action items. I'm making a detailed timeline and PDF to have for you so that each week you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing for your recovery. You will not question or wonder or be wandering around and feeling hopeless and feeling like you don't know where to start. I am solving that problem with this with this streamlined approach and having a very detailed PDF and action items for you each week. And then there will also be two group coaching calls per week. And I want to make it very clear that these group coaching calls are not boring ass Zoom webinars that you dread. They're going to be actual actual Zoom calls because I'm capping the group coaching program at 20 people per eight weeks. That's only the that's as many people as can join for now. Maybe that will change, but I'm trying to keep it as close to private coaching as possible. So it's only 20 people every eight weeks. And um what will happen on those group coaching calls is it will be a very cozy talk. It'll be a normal Zoom call where I'll have things that I prepared, lessons I prepared each time, but also everyone will get a chance to speak and there'll be things that you're supposed to write in beforehand. You'll have check-ins that you're supposed to do through email that I'll send you. I'll be reaching out to you individually each week. It's going to be a very high level, very hands-on, very um, intense eight-week program. And I know some people might think, well, can you make that big of a difference in eight weeks? And and I think you can. And I've seen my clients make that big of a difference in eight weeks. I know that this can be helpful for people in a group format too. And I really have always been thinking private coaching is great, but it has the pitfall of people only being in a vacuum of their own thoughts with me and they never see anyone else going through recovery and they think they're weird and they don't have any exposure. And then group coaching, sometimes people, the problem with that is that they drop off or they get a little lost or they just stop showing up for the things. So this program, I'm making it so that you still have that accountability and you're still expected to show up. And if you don't show up, there's going to be the capacity of the program to come and find you. I'll have a, I'm having a no pol, no person left behind policy. And if we don't hear from you um, as a group and as me as a coach, I'm going to come find you. So this group coaching program is going to be super exciting. And I'm just, ex I'm so pumped to make it the best, closest to private coaching experience you can have with group co coaching program. And I think one of the most effective bulimia recovery, binge eating recovery um, group coaching programs there is on 
in the field right now. And I don't know other programs that teach it as um, straightforward and real life as I teach it. Um, it's going to be very, very simple. So, uh, but simple with purpose. And I'm hoping that it will help a lot of people. And I've talked to a lot of past members now, I've talked to a few that are giving me advice on how they think the program should be and giving me kind of quotes on if they could teach someone something in recovery, what would it be? So there's going to be that. It's just, I'm so excited. Anyway, so that's happening it's happening. If you want to join the waitlist for that, it's going to be also the price will be $800 for eight weeks. That's $100 a week. There will be payments plans available. I'm trying to make it as affordable as I can while still obviously supplementing my income and keeping things running on my end, but also making it as affordable of a private coaching experience as you can while still being group. So it's $800 for eight weeks. There are payment plans available. If you are interested, join the waitlist and book a consult with me on my website and we'll start talking about about whether it's the right fit for you. All right. Oh my gosh. Um, otherwise, that's all I had to say. It's a big announcement, but I, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. Um, and I'm really excited because it's fun to make this content, but it's fun to collect all the knowledge I've gathered over the three years and through my own recovery journey and through all the clients that I've worked with, had the privilege to work with and the group coaching members I've had the privilege to work with and the people I've talked to online. Like it's insane. The amount of stories that I have in my head from people, the different types of people I've worked with, um, I, I just feel very blessed and I want to give that to you. And that's what's going into that program. And it's just a chance for me to fresh, freshly start it in a new light and make it so much better. It's just the group coaching program 2.0, smarter, better, faster, simpler, streamlined, more effective. So I'm, I'm very, very excited. Um, and then also the old group coaching program that is being retired January 2nd. So after, after January 2nd, you will no longer be able to join that group coaching program. Now let's get to the podcast episode that I've already been talking for 16 minutes. Oh my God. (gasps) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But you know, I'm not sorry. It's my podcast and it's going to help people. So I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry at all. Anyways. All right. So is restriction bad? Is all restriction bad? Should you never, ever, ever restrict? My answer is going to be like any rational, normal, balanced, middle of the road person is that some restriction, some moderating food, some boundaries with food is a necessity in the world that we live in. And so my hot take on it is that yeah, no, um, unhealthy restriction, meaning you're restricting, restricting to the point where it's negative, negatively impacting your health. Uh, it's not good. It's just not helpful, right? Like why it's negatively impacting your health. Why would you do it? But some form of saying no to yourself sometimes with food is probably a requirement to maintain a healthy physical body and mental body, um, in this world. And what I mean by that is that we live in a world of, an overabundance, an overability, uh, oh my goodness, overabundance of hyperpalatable, calorie-dense foods with low nutritional value that are much more easily accessible and convenient to eat than, and, and more enticing to eat, it's advertised to us, to us to eat in that way, than nutritionally dense, healthy foods, whole foods 
that are not as processed. That's just the way of our world. There's just an overabundance of the foods that are not as good for us, are not going to, in large quantities, serve our bodies. They don't really serve our bodies at all, but they certainly don't serve our bodies in large quantities. Am I saying that you should never have those hyperpalatable, hyper overly processed foods um, that don't have much nutritional value and are really just a pure pleasure thing and are borderline a little bit addictive? No. I'm not saying that. I just had a cookie today and some sort of cool cold foam iced coffee thing with distilled whiskey with my friend, my coaching friend, Amber. We went and got coffee today and did a little coffee work date and I got that. That was, I didn't need that and actually didn't feel that great after I had it. It was like, oh, I'm kind of sugar crashing now. But no, I'm not saying you shouldn't have those things, but I am saying that you have to practice some form of moderation because it's... Within our nature, unfortunately, to go for those foods, I think anyone, you put them in front of a cookie and then give them either, hey, either have a cookie or have some broccoli or have um, some french fries or have a whole potato, which is more enticing. The french fries are more enticing. The cookie is more enticing. Or even just, you know, have regular broccoli, have fried broccoli. Which do you want? hmm, I think I'm going to go with a fried broccoli. And it's not that sometimes, especially if you've been having those foods a lot, some people like myself, I know if I constantly had those foods, um, I would at some point crave something with less oil and I would want something just kind of fresh. I'd want those fresh, whole hearty vegetables. But some people, that's not the case. Like they can just keep on eating those foods and they will not naturally want to eat the other foods. I think that's where um, I'm a full supporter of an... Uh, not a full supporter, I guess, since I'm saying this, but I'm a big supporter of intuitive eating. I mean, it's in my podcast intro. It helped me a, a ton. And I think intuitive eating, it's gotten such a bad rap that it's just eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, trust every single whim your body gives you and whatever your body wants and eat whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's not what intuitive eating is. Intuitive eating is a collective, um, collective sense of your body where you're using not only your urges, your baseline urges and cravings of what you want and then trying to listen to your hunger and satiety cues and, and feed yourself when you feel like you're hungry and stop when you're full. But you also, they, there's a whole section intuitive eating where they say, utilize your nutrition, nutritional voice, the voice that allows you to understand what foods are healthy and what foods are not so healthy or not so helpful, healthy in large quantities. Like intuitive eating talks about that. Um, they do. And they say, you know, maybe overactive your nutritional um, policing voice, but you do need to utilize it in some way. And so intuitive eating still requires the critical thinking skills. But um, they even discuss in the book, there's a section where they talk about um, how people that might have struggled with binge eating or bulimia may have to practice intentional moderation. That's super important. But I think where this this uh, tactic intuitive eating falls short is that some people will always have to moderate a little bit more than others. And I wrote in a post recently about this where um, some people, they can have crackers and chips and brownies around them all the time and they're perfectly fine and they never ever crave them and they always eat them into perfect moderation and satiety and they just never have an issue with it and it's fine. Some people though, they will always struggle a little bit with those foods and I'm not saying to a large degree, but they may always have to practice intentional moderation around those foods. They may have to always practice saying, hey, no, you don't want any more even though you kind of do want more. I fall in this category and I 
don't want to say that to freak people out or be like, oh, well, supposedly you teach food freedom. I feel like I have food freedom, but I do have to practice intentional moderation about certain foods. I literally told Amber out loud today while we were having the coffee and cookie. After I finished that cookie, I was like, damn, I want another cookie. But I was like, but it won't taste as good as if I have another one and it won't help me and it won't make me feel good. So fuck it. I'll just not have another one and chill here and finish my coffee in peace and start working. But my baseline urges told me, go get another cookie. Another cookie would be great right now. And I had to use my critical thinking skills of, yeah, but if we have another one, we're just going to want another one, another one. It's never going to stop. And we have to moderate a little bit here. And it's probably, it's going to not feel so good if we have multiple cookies, like already one might be pushing it depending on how we feel in like an hour. Um, Because I really hadn't had much else. So I was like, I didn't feel like good after sugar crashing. But that's where I fall into. And technically, I had to say no to myself there. Uh, And then some people, they may, I don't want to say they may never, but they may have to be extremely careful with when and where they have those foods, depending on the severity of maybe they have other stuff like cross addictions going on. Some people can be hardcore addicts of certain substances and that sort of stuff, and then it can cross over to food. So certain people may have to like moderate altogether where they they don't have those foods around very often at all. I I can still have cookies in my house and chips in my house. I just have to be kind of careful sometimes with how much I eat of them and be aware of when I'm overindulging a little bit and stop and kind of put an intentional stop to it. Some people really struggle with that, especially depending on where they are in their recovery. And sometimes, I want to say this very clearly, sometimes people are in the category where they can't have those foods around at all. And then sometimes sometimes they progress to the phase where they can't have them around sometimes in moderation, like me, and they can eat them in moderation and they just have to be a little bit careful about stopping. And then they can flip back and forth depending on their period of life. So when I first recovered from bulimia, I could not have bags of chips around. I could not have tubs of ice cream around. There's no way I would have recovered from binge eating if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't removed those bingeable foods. I did have my one serving of Halo Top, you know, my little cup of Halo Top that you get the pint and then the chocolate magic Hershey, magic shell Hershey syrup. For some reason I had that and I felt safe with that. But I could not have bingeable foods around me at all times. So technically I was in the last category of you can't handle these foods in moderation, so you just can't ever have them. But that didn't mean I never ever had them again. Now I can have those things. I commonly have like some sort of big bag of popcorn around. That's my thing right now. I just am going through a phase. And I also am loving carrots and peanut butter right right now. I'm just like, it's my favorite snack at the moment. (laughs) I don't know why. And I don't always like I'm not always in love with peanut butter, but right now I feel a little bit in love with peanut butter again. Uh, But anyway, like I'm in that category. So just because you're in that phase doesn't mean you'll always be there, but you have to kind of radically accept where you are with food and you do have to practice moderating and saying no to yourself sometimes from a place of love, not a place of self-hatred or you're a wild animal and you can't be controlled and you don't deserve this food and we're going to starve you because you're compensating for a binge you just had or a poor week of dieting. That's not the type of restriction and no I'm, I'm talking about. I'm saying I'm talking about more like loving, like a loving parent moderating your food of like today with that cookie. I was like, I could have another one 
I have permission to have another one, but it's not going to make me feel good to have another one. It's not going to serve me to have another one. I know it's not going to help and I know it's just going to feel, it's going to taste a little bit more like ash the next time around because I've already had one and it's just going to be fulfilling a dopamine um, uh, craving at this point and it's just going to taste like sugar and I just don't want to do that to myself. And that conversation was not self-loathing. It was not self-hatred. It was very kind. It was very compassionate. It was understanding of why I wanted another cookie but it was still saying no at the end of the day, right? So there's a place for moderation. And I was just talking to a client about this. Um, She was, we were discussing um, how she was constantly picking convenient foods, right? Over normal whole whole healthy foods and, or just whole foods in general. And it's, again, I'm not a proponent, proponent that you can never not have like processed foods, but she was just picking only processed foods and only convenient foods over foods that make her feel better, like broccoli and salads and fresh cut meat or something like that. And so she was like, I think that I spent a long time after my recovery rebelling against restriction, which has its merit too. There's a phase of just saying yes to everything that I think is helpful for people and teaches you abundance and food freedom. And I think there's such greatness in that lesson too. But she said, I think I've gone the opposite way where I just never practice saying no to myself. and I never moderate myself in the name of not restricting, but it doesn't make me feel good. She also was like eating a lot of peanut butter. She's like, it doesn't make me feel good to just only eat peanut butter in place of a meal. It's just not you feel kind of sluggish and slow and it's not very nice and it's not great on your digestion. And that's the reason I would want to say no to myself, not because I hate myself or because I'm restricting because I just don't want to feel like that. And that's a really important note. And then also in the world we live in where there's processed food everywhere, there, um, there, it's much more convenient for me to go to McDonald's every day rather than cook my meals for myself, cook whole meals. It's, it's much more convenient for me to buy packaged frozen food or order in or um, just uh, buy bakery items and eat those instead of whole foods and like just make something, you know. Uh, it's not as accessible and that's a shame, but that is the way our world is. And again, it goes against our natural human nature. We love as human beings to do what's easiest and what's going to give us the most pleasure. Like our brains are just meant to seek pleasure and stay safe and not go out of the cave and do whatever it is to maintain our body weight and reproduce and feel good and feel safe. Like that's what we're great at, right? And then you put us into a modern world where we don't move. Like my job, as much as I love it, it's extremely sedentary. I need to buy myself a walking treadmill. Um, getting my steps in is a challenge sometimes because I have to actively do it outside of work. Um, so we're usually extremely sedentary. We're constantly staring at a screen. We're constantly sitting and we're constantly forcing ourselves into situations that we don't necessarily love. We're working for eight hours a day or more. Um, like these past few days, I've definitely been working like 10 hour days or 11 hour days, quite honestly. And I've been having a lot of fun, but some people do that and they don't like their jobs, you know? And so they're, we're doing stuff that we don't like, forcing ourselves into things, situations that bring up bad emotions, emotions that are unpleasant. And then we're physically uncomfortable and physically not moving. And then on our way home from work, or we get advertised online or something to go order Domino's or go um, to McDonald's and go grab the Frosty. That'll make you feel better. It'll be good. And I'm not saying these things are evil, but they're much more convenient than getting a salad 
or getting a nice burrito bowl or poke bowl or whatever, or um, something that's like a whole hot uh, soup that you've made with fresh ingredients and healthy fats and stuff and like fresh cut avocado, whatever it is, it's much easier to go get the McDonald's and to always do that. And that's where I feel like we run into trouble and that's where you have to practice moderating and saying no at whatever phase you're in. And it depends on the person. Some people go really extreme and they're like, I don't have any processed food as foods ever. I can't handle it. And I think most people don't have to fall into that category of ex- um, extremeness. What's the other word? Heightened. I'm missing it. I'm tired. I'm sorry. Whatever. It's fine. Um, but most people don't fall into that category. But I think most people fall somewhere in between if they have to be careful around always choosing those foods and having some level of balance and just this whole podcast, if you take anything away from it, it's okay to say no to yourself. You can say no to yourself and you can say it from a place of love and helping yourself rather than, um, this is restriction and this is bad. And I think that's some, that's a place where the, um, eating disorder recovery community has really fallen short. It's like teaching food freedom and that they don't struggle um, when they have all these foods around all the time. Like having an overabundance of food is also a problem. And I think there was a time in my uh, food freedom journey where I did have an overabundance of food and I think it served me. But at some point it led to me being um, not feeling as good, uh, being borderline pre-diabetic and being slightly overweight and all these things and getting winded going upstairs. And so I had to reel it back in and that's why I chose intentional weight loss and all those things. So it's just, there has to be some level of balance. We can't just pretend like this isn't affecting us and that we can, we just should never ever say no to food. And I think that's what most good teachers in the eating disorder recovery community do say, but there's some extremists that are just like, you can just you will do whatever and it's fine. And it's like, that's not the reality. And then people are wondering, they're like, they're sitting at home with Twinkies, surrounded by Twinkies and cereal and all that sort of stuff. And they're like, why is it not working? And it's like, you know, Maybe you need to practice being away from those foods for a little while. Just take a break from them. I love how Rachel Hart, her podcast is called Take a Break from Alcohol. I think that's an excellent thing. Like it's not gone forever. It's not this extreme approach. You never, ever have it again. It's just let's take a break for now and see how it goes. And I think that's what I'm proposing for a lot of people to do here. All right. Hopefully that made sense. Hopefully it was helpful to you. Um, This podcast episode is long because the first half of it I was talking about, um, the group coaching program, which I'm still so, so excited for. So I hope that you stuck it out to here. And um, thank you so much for listening. I am really excited for 2024. I think it's going to be one of the best years of my life. And I want to save that for another podcast episode. I've been doing a lot of reflecting and thinking about what I want to do for the New Year's podcast, um, but I'll save it. But um, 2023 is insane. If you would ask me, what would go down this year I would have not been able to guess what happened but I'm it broke me free and I am thrilled and ready to explore who I am and how I can help more people and what life holds for the world and myself next year Uh, so anyway I'm and part of that's going to be the new group coaching program and I haven't been this excited about a program that I produced in a while so I just can't wait anyway I hope you guys are doing well Uh, I have to go respond to a bunch of emails because I tease people today and I'm like, send me this DM if you want to know what the announcement is early. So I got to go. If you're listening to this now, just know that I recorded this and that I'm responding to you. If you got an email from me, that's (laughs) this is me emailing you right now. All right. And I'll let you guys go. Never, ever, ever give up on yourself. Bye.